Wow. Wow. <laughs> what can I do with that? Wow. <laughs> Man, it just feels like I'm at home. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you, um, Grant um, and the chapel committee for inviting me to be here this morning. When I saw the invite, I said, man, I know I am busy, but I got to make room for Covenant College Chapel. And so I did. So I uh, really wanted to thank you guys for that. And so let's stand in the reading of the word. I only have like 25 minutes, so I don't want to waste any time. And, and so uh, we've talked about um, some opportunities of getting me back here in front of you guys. And so... Um, so I can talk more about what's going on in Fairfield from that perspective. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10, reading from the ESV translation. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed, Paul says. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God, and I'm trying to please man. If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Holy Spirit, come upon me now. Bless me for your people's sake. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I came here today um, when I saw the invite with one purpose in mind, truly one purpose. And that is to encourage you young people sitting before me, you Gen Zs, and maybe a few millennials and the rest of y'all who are over the age of 50. <laughs> if you ain't over the age of 50, I'm not really talking to you. I think you're good, but just in case, if it hits you, just say, ouch. <laughs> but I came here with one purpose in mind, to help you to hold to the gospel no matter what. I'm 56 years old, that means I've been around for a while, it's not old. Now I'm old in my church, and I'm a PCA pastor, and I primarily am pastoring lots of millennials and lots of Generation Zs. And by the providence of God, each and every Lord's Day, I am preaching my heart out. Sometimes crying, sometimes weeping audibly. I had a young girl who just come to our church, African-American girl. She told a guy in Mississippi who's at RTS Reform Seminary, he called me. He said, man, what are you saying from the pulpit? I said, what are you talking about? 
She's like, my friend called me, and she's like, every Sunday she's leaving your church crying. I said, I don't know. <laughs> we preach the gospel. There's something sweet about it. And so, therefore, I'm here today, and, and I preach at our church trying to keep the young people focused on the one message that is the only hope for all humankind. It's only one message, not multiple messages out there that is the remedy or the antidote for this world that we all inhabit. And in our text this morning that I just read to you, it is this very message that Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul himself, is trying to remind these Christians in Galatia not to go away from, not to go into apostasy, which means to abandon the faith. Paul is trying to say, don't leave the faith. Don't abandon it. Don't go the way of apostasy. And Apostle Paul here in verse 6 says that he is astonished. This Greek word rendering here is the word thumazo. It means to wonder, to be in marvel at something, some object. It's the same word that we see in Revelation 13, 3, when the whole world marveled as they followed the beast. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so moral about something else, that you are so quickly deserting the gospel. This word deserting means literally to change from, to abandon an association, to abandon one's loyalty. I look on, read a lot, and see the news of just Gen Z's, millennials that are walking away from the faith. What's happening in this generation? Well, your grandparents and your grandmoms and your granddads held to the gospel 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and even on their last words, keep the faith! <laughs> Here comes a new generation walking away in droves by the hundreds deserting the faith. Paul says they are turning from Jesus himself and from his grace that he gives to wretched sinners. I think sometimes we forget that. I think that's part of the problem. I don't think we realize how sinful we are. Paul says that in Romans 323, that we've all sinned. I know I have. Do you, do you understand that sometimes, that we've all sinned, that we've come short of his glory, God's glory, his perfect standard? That we were dead in our trespasses and our sins? Even if you are covenant kids, <laughs> born into a family, mother and father were Christians, grandparents, but you were yet still born in your sins. You say, Pastor Hardy, I, mean, I don't know if I got a whole lot of sin. Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> I got a lot of covenant kids at my church. And he's like, Pastor, I didn't know that I had that kind of sin in me. 
and we have a lot of children, I say, hey, you don't have to teach little Johnny how to sin. Trust me on that. He or she will learn how to steal the cookies. <laughs> and then when you ask, where did you do with the cookie, Johnny? And Johnny will look at you with his nice little bright eyes and say, I don't know, Mommy. Well, I can see the crumbs around your mouth. <laughs> Who taught Johnny how to lie? <laughs> Johnny said, I don't know. I just know how to do it. <laughs> Covenant kid. So we're falling short. We're born in sin. But Paul says these people who had now been saved by grace, these Christians in Galatia, they've been saved by grace through faith, which is not of their own doing. It is a gift of God, Paul says in Ephesians 2.8. But these people who are in Galatia who have been saved by grace through faith, it was not of their own doing. This grace of Jesus Christ called them, saved them, adopted them. But Paul now says they are turning, they are turning away from the true gospel and to another gospel. They're turning from the God of grace and mercy. And they are turning to a gospel which is no gospel at all, Paul says. And Paul says in verse 7 about this gospel that they're turning to, Paul says, not that, that there is another one. There's not another gospel. There's only really one. And that's what I come to hope you to hold on to, that gospel that never changes, it never gets old. It never goes in and out with the style of the new generation. It is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that gospel. And Paul says in verse 7, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you, and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. This word distort means to change or to alter something, either by adding or subtracting. We know that the context here, he's referring to the Judaizers, those who are holding to the law of Moses, that the temple is where all the life comes from. And in the land itself, that's what killed Stephen when he preached Christ-centeredness. And they say, hey, man, you're messing with our idols. You see that in Acts chapter 7. And they picked up stones and took his breath away. But I want to make a transition here. You know, I'm a messy preacher. That's what they say, Urban Hope. You know, I always kind of land the plane. You like to tell people, if you're going to preach, you got to land the plane. Now, you can't just keep holding over the tarmac. Land it. Get it on the ground. I don't like flying. Some of y'all love flying. I hate flying. 355 pounds, I don't know what it is. I don't like being up in the air like that. Get me on the ground. <laughs> I don't know if it's just my psychology or what's going on with this body. I don't like flying up in the air, especially over water. So I want to make this observation here today, this morning. Unless you've been asleep like Rip Van Winkle for the last 20 years, 
There has been a lot of false gospels that have come into the church. Sweeping the theological conservative churches throughout America. Too many for me to count. And in my context, when it comes to pastoring millennials and Gen Zs, one thing I've come to learn about that demographic, they think that everything that they hear on social media platforms from some spiritual new guru, that they have all the right answers to the problems of mankind. Let me give you a few. They have the answer that nobody else can figure it out, how they can restore humanity back to some utopia world that has never even existed before and since the fall of Adam. But they got the answer in 2022. Whew, I wonder what the answer is, bro. Can, you, can, I, can you please tell me? <laughs> you gonna do what? They give their new and different gospels that they believe can solve all of the inequalities in the world. Brother, can you tell me what the answer is to that? Figure it out, here it is. They say they, they can solve it while alleviating all of the world poverty. Okay, right. That they can eradicate all of the ethnic hostilities and the human injustice done from the time of Cain and Abel. Therefore, with their new gospel, their new theology, they're going to bring all of humanity, Ukrainians and Russians, with all of the atrocities that we're watching on the news. I saw the 60 Minutes turn my stomach. All of the murders that's happening even now in Ukraine. All of the unmarked graves. But with their new theology, they're going to solve all of humanity and bring everyone to a place of love. And reconciliation outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whoa! Wow! Man, what's your book name? What's your book? You got a book that I've never read. It, it must, it's, he said, it's outside of this book? Yeah, man. Here it is. Come by. It will fix the whole humanity. Whoa! And that has come into the church, and folks are buying these books. Man, I got the right answer. I'm going to fix black and white, red and brown. Jesus don't go far enough. <laughs> what? <laughs> the one with the web telescope that's out there finding galaxies that are beyond the eye can see? That one who made that, he can't do it? But your book can yeah, right. <laughs> I was born, as they say in Fairfield, I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> Here's what's part of the problem. 
what's happening with our young people. They're not knowing what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. Here it is, and there is nothing, listen to me, young people, and there is nothing new under the sun, says King Solomon. Nothing new. It's been here before. Someone said it before. And so here is why Paul, the great apostle, who himself was formerly what I call, when I talk about Paul or Saul, he calls himself, he was a top goon of Jerusalem. So I preach in an urban environment. Some of that went over your head. You say, what is a goon? But some of the young people know it. If they're 50 and over, they don't know what goon is. But you know what goon is. It's in the rap songs. Take off. Quavo. You know what goon is. Paul said he was a top goon of Jerusalem before he became an apostle proclaiming the gospel of grace. And just in case if you don't know what goon means, it means he was a terror in Jerusalem for anyone belonging to the way. He went from house to house. He was not playing games with it. In the pursuit of men and women. And Paul says with his own words that he persecuted the church of God violently. He tried to destroy it. I would say if someone trying to do that, that's at the top of the chart, goon goon. <laughs> you trying to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Doing some drive-bys, okay, yeah, that, that's terrorizing the neighborhood. But literally to go after the church of Jesus? Oh yeah, you on the top level of a goon, man. And Paul said that's what he was. That's what he did. And Apostle Paul here in this text, he is saying to all of us and to those in Galatia, this Apostle Paul who says, I was trying to destroy this Jesus and all those who were belonging to the way. He says here with strong language, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, Paul says, let him strong language that we don't hear in our culture today. Let him or her be a curse, anathema, bound to hell, Paul says. They come preaching that Christ is not enough. They're either subtracting from him or adding to him. Paul says if anyone comes, I don't care if it's an angel from heaven, Paul says let them be a curse. As we have said before, so I now say again, Paul says, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, Paul says, let him be a curse. Paul, what gospel are you 
talking about. That's, it's got some meat on the bone. It's got some gravitas. That you're telling these Galatian Christians who are turning away to a different gospels. We know we got the prosperity gospel out there. We got the woke, the social. We got all, oh, Jesus is not enough. So we got to help Jesus out. We got to make him little so we can do what we want to do in the church. But Paul says, I, I'm preaching a gospel, Paul says, that places people from every tribe, from every tongue, and from every nation, Paul says, into a new family that God saves you, he adopts you, he calls you out of the world, and he places his grace upon you. Do you not know that you can't even come to God if he don't call your name? That no man or woman can come to me, Jesus says in John 6, 44, except that my Father draws you, that you won't even come to God if he don't move on you to come to him? And Paul says that gospel that we have heard and we believe, it places us into a new family. And Paul says that gospel reconciles them by breaking down the dividing walls of ethnic hostilities. By what means, Paul? Paul says, through the cross. Through the cross. I don't have time to go into it. I have a few minutes. But people are coming in the Urban Hope Community Church, and we got black and white, we got inner city, we got rich whites, we got all kinds of people. We're in the inner city, and we're preaching the gospel. We're not feeling sorry for people because we didn't make the people. We didn't create the people. So I don't place my ideals on the people. I preach to them because they've been made in the image and likeness of God. So we're preaching a gospel that says to everyone, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Here's the one who came down the stairway of heaven. Who is he? Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, God who took on human flesh. If you can understand that, then you join into the Trinity. It would now be only the Trinity. It would be called the Quattro in Spanish. It would be you and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God took on human flesh, the just, no sin, walked down stairway, came to my neighborhood, your neighborhood, and saved us, gave his life as a ransom for the many. That's the gospel, the God-man. We didn't come to him, he came to us. And Paul says, when you believe that story, when you put your heart into that story, it changes you. And Paul says to the Ephesians, Jesus knowing a world that he created, a world that he made, that has been contaminated with sin and, and hatred and all kinds of evils, that people and nations would enslave one another. They would hurt one another. They would do evil to one another. Jesus was not blind. He's not Stevie Wonder nor Ray Charles. He can see from the end and from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows what's going on in his world that he made. And he knows the remedy. And he says, 
that I make them one. I make them whole. I take a Jew and a Gentile. Paul, how did you become being a Pharisee of Pharisee under the tutelage of Gamaliel? Come on, Saul, talk to us. I know from history that Pharisees did not like Gentiles. But Saul, who became apostle, tell me, Saul, how did you become the great apostle Paul to the Gentiles? Did you go through a class? Well, there's a class that you don't put in the text that you had to go through for you to undo your bigotry and hatred against Gentiles, Paul? What did you do, Paul? Because I can see in the text that you have a love for them Gentiles. Did you go get a certain kind of book? Hey, you got to come to this class to undo your Jewishness. Help me out. So I know you know what I'm saying. You've been told that you got to undo your whiteness. Show me the book. What I see Saul would say, I was on my way to kill some Christians. I didn't care if they were Jew or Gentile. As long as they were belonging to the way. But on that old dusty road, 150 miles from Jerusalem, I don't know about you, but I met someone who was brighter than the sun. <laughs> and Paul said, he blinded me. I couldn't see. My life was changed. I was transformed. Why, Paul? Because I met the one who is called the son of the living God. Jesus the Christ. And Paul would say, and from that day, my whole job, my whole life was to do his bidding. Paul, but that's the answer? You met Jesus and you became a lover of Gentiles? You mean to tell me you didn't go get a book and learn how to undo? some things in your past, Paul would say to you today, he met Jesus. And that Jesus is the same one today that I met. Say, Pastor Harley, you have some stories that, that folks can't quite figure out. You born in Sardis and you got all this racial stuff that's going on in your past. When folks come to Fairfield, they see black and white and and they see people coming and you loving and people hanging out together. And we trying to figure out what, what happened, Pastor Hart. So they want me to give them some new age answer. And I keep saying, I met Jesus. Yeah, but it ain't, can't be that much. It's, we know Jesus. Bruh, it was Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't a book. It wasn't a class. It wasn't an anti-racism class. It was Jesus and him crucified. And you know they know the heart of the truth? Well, I could come here and be free and not guilt you up. I was telling Grant this, and I end here. Pastor Hardy, we want to know. Man, that we hear your story. There's a lot that was done wrong to you. And I would say, yes. But one day, Pastor Hardy, how did you come to be shepherding white and black? in Birmingham, Fairfield. And I answer this without a blink in the eye. 
young people, I met this Jesus of the gospel. You know what was interesting about meeting Jesus? I saw my sins like I had never saw them before. And I told Grant, and I tell people all the time, and I end here. I saw how sinful I was. I didn't have a Paul experience, but it was about as close as you can get. I bellowed for God's forgiveness. And out of that reality of what the gospel is, God's saving sinners. I came out of that. And I can tell you the truth. I can love all of my enemies. Perceived enemies. And I've come to tell people, Jesus is who he says he is. I don't need nothing else. You don't got to add anything else to Jesus. He's enough for me, and he's enough for you. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for these young people here today. Meaning you're turning from a different to a different gospel. A gospel of distortion. I pray by the power of your spirit, you bring them back to the gospel that never changes, that reconciles, and it is the only remedy and the hope of a broken world that we live in. It's in your name we pray. Amen.